Yes, hello, good morning. Welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir, once again here on SEN 1170, or if you're listening through on SENQ 693 AM, or indeed SEN in the Gold Coast 1620 AM, or indeed on the SEN app. Thank you very much for joining me on this Tuesday morning, the 14th of November 2023. We've got a lot to chat here this morning and we'd love to hear from you. Whatever thoughts you have, we're going to be chatting the NRL. The draw has been released yesterday. And of course, speculation about who has the toughest draw, who has to play, you know, the top eight teams from last year twice, who gets the, the favorable buys around the origin period. We'll discuss all of that very, very shortly. We'll also discuss Steve Mitchell, the Gold Coast Titans CEO. He was on Sports Day uh, last night with Sats and the Rat. Uh, he's talking about all these rumours around Dave Fafita's uh, contract clause, which may see him leave the club. We'll play a bit of that audio a little bit later on. Also going to be chatting the Cricket World Cup. I'm going to be naming my team of the tournament. Would love to hear your feedback on it, if you agree, if you disagree. We'll also be joined by Chris Perkins uh, from the US to chat all things NFL and also college football, the story around Michigan. And then we'll finish off with something that's really caught my eye in the NBA uh, over the last few days. As always, you can always jump on uh, and give your thoughts on the program and give me a call at one 1170 or shoot through a text at 0457 736 736. Let's get started on the NRL draw. It's definitely the, the main talking point this morning. Which team has the toughest draw? That, that, that's always the question when it comes to the draw being released. I've crunched the numbers. I've done the maths. This is what I've come up with. I think the Storm arguably probably have the toughest draw. I'm going to go from the top to the bottom. So the Storm, they have to play all three fellow top four teams from last season twice. And they'll also put their two-decade winning run on the line in round one against Penrith, of all teams. So a tough way to start for the Storm. I've got the Rabbitohs coming in second with the toughest draw. They play the Panthers, Broncos, and Storm twice. They also head to Las Vegas, Brisbane, and Allianz Stadium in the first three weeks of the season. Now, that's tough, and we all know how important it is to get off to a good start especially how poorly the Rabbitohs finished last season. They will want to make sure that they start off on the right foot. The Las Vegas trip, I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Third, with the toughest draw, I've got the Bulldogs. So Cameron Sorrello's side is a tough run to the finals. Got a heavy travel schedule going to Townsville and Brisbane in consecutive weeks. And then their home game in Bundaberg, uh, New Zealand, back-to-back. They also play five teams that come off the bye uh, that's the equal top with Parramatta. So I've got them as the third toughest draw. The fourth toughest draw, I've got the Gold Coast Titans. They've got a, a favorable start against the Dragons, Bulldogs, Dolphins, and Cowboys. Uh, they won't play a top eight team from last year until round eight. And that is a week before uh, new coach Des Hasler meets his old club, Manly. They played the Warriors on Anzac Day. Uh, that's a new fixture for this year. Normally it was the, the Storm hosting the Warriors, but now... Uh, the Warriors get to host their own Anzac Day game in New Zealand, which I, I'm all for that. Uh, they also played Brisbane twice. They played the Panthers in the final round. Moving on to the fifth toughest draw, and I'm very sorry, Eels fans, but it's not going to get any easier in 2024. Uh, no team will have more matches uh, against teams coming off the bye, uh, equal with the Bulldogs. You have five. 
Last year you had three, and you and that was in a row. And you never really recovered from that last year. Uh, the Broncos still and Rabbitohs in consecutive weeks before Origin one is shapes up as a really big litmus test for Brad Arthur's side. In six, we've got the Seagulls. The only team to have no five-day turnarounds and not play a single opposition side off the bye. That's that's pretty favourable. But a treacherous start with the Rabbitohs in Las Vegas, the Roosters, Eels, Panthers, and Warriors in the first six rounds. You, you really want to be winning at least half of those games, but it's going to be very tricky for Anthony Seabold's men. The Dolphins, I reckon they have the seventh toughest uh, draw in the NRL. They won't have to leave Queensland until round seven, which is a plus. That's before they head to Darwin, a week before Herbie Farnworth and Tom Flegler play their much-anticipated clash against Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium. Now, with the eighth toughest draw, I've got the Tigers, and uh, Benji Marshall uh, has new stint. He'll start off well. He'll, He'll bank the two points early with a bye in the opening round. Uh, but then um, they've got the Raiders, Sharks, Seagulls, Dolphins, and Dragons following that. They only, t- the only, only have to play all top four teams the once, but it's a tough final month. Knights, Rabbitohs, Eels, and Manly, and they'll be looking to avoid three wooden spoons in a row. Now, uh, this is where it gets a little bit more favorable for uh, some of our teams. We've got the Roosters in ninth. Uh, five matches against the 2023 top four before round 10. I think that's a pretty good start. I think you want to get rid of those games early. They'll finish it against the Rabbitohs again at a course stadium in that final round. Um, they're in the top eight after the origin period. They've got a pretty soft draw um, coming from there. Now, in 10th, it's uh, my Newcastle Knights. Uh, wonderful uh, season in 2023. And it's set to be rewarded. They've got uh, five extra matches on free-to-air TV. However, no size to play more games against 2023's top four. We play seven games against last year's top four. But if we're good enough and if Caelan Pollan can replicate that form that we all saw, it'd be, uh, it'll be very, very good for us Newcastle fans. Now, the Cowboys I've got in 11th, uh, they don't have to travel to New Zealand and Melbourne. That is a, a big plus. And I, I'm tipping the Cowboys to bounce back in a really really big way. Got the Broncos in 12th. Now, the Broncos last year had a pretty soft draw. They made the most of it. Can't say that uh, they didn't deserve uh, their run into the finals because they have to win every game uh, that comes their way, but it's another pretty soft draw. Seven of their first 12 games at Suncorp Stadium and three matches to finish the regular season in Brisbane. They're my premiership favourite to start, I think, the Brisbane Broncos. I think they'll go one better uh, in 2024, and this soft draw once again uh, makes it a little bit easier. Also, get plenty of chance to rest their stars in the back end of the year. The first of three buys in round 13, uh, and then we've got the uh, the three peating premiers. We've got the Panthers. Uh, they have more five-day turnarounds than anyone else in the competition. They have three: uh, Storm, Eels, Broncos, and Roosters. is a is a big opening month. Um. But they're a champion side. Uh, even if they lose a couple of those games early, we, we saw that this year. They'll, they'll be fine in the long run. The Raiders in 14th, they get double dose of the Tigers and Bulldogs. That will certainly help. Uh, Jack Whiten, he, he's left for South Sydney. He won't play his former side until round 21. And that's going to be on a Sunday night 
in July in the nation's capital, could you believe? It's going to be freezing, so make sure to pack a jumper if you're getting out to that fixture. The Dragons, I've got its 15th uh, toughest draw. Uh, they just faced one top eight side in the first six weeks. Uh, so a pretty soft start there for Shane Flanagan. Um, and he'll be pretty thankful for that as well. The Warriors, um, I've got as the second easiest uh, of the fixtures. They only play four games against their fellow top four finishers from 2023. They've also got the round 27 bye. Now, that can be a curse if you're a team like the Eels, but I think we're all backing the Warriors to, to make finals. And then with the easiest draw, the Cronulla Sharks, they have no excuses this time around to not finish in the top eight, not even finish in the top four convincingly. They play fewer games against 2023 finals than any other side. Uh, so that's nine. Only nine matches out of the 24 they face against top eight teams. And they face traditional stragglers, Canterbury and West Tigers in rounds two and three to get off to a hot start. So that's where I see the draw. Let me know uh, who you think has the softest draw, uh, who you think has the toughest draw. Do you agree with my opinions? I've got the Storm with the toughest. I've got the Sharks with the least toughest, with the easiest, if you will. And who? what's your early prediction now seeing this draw? I'm going the Brisbane Broncos to win, uh, but would love to hear your thoughts. Sticking with NRL and Gold Coast Titans CEO Steve Mitchell was on Sports Day talking about David Fafita's uh, contract situation. Now, he's got a clause there that can see him maybe leave to rival clubs. Steve Mitchell addressed that and more. Take a listen. We, we've read over the last few days this contract talk around Dave Fafita. He re-signed for, for three more years, which is great because he had a, a fantastic 2023, didn't he? And so in August, he re-signs. We learned that there's a, a clause up to round 10 of 2024. So in layman's terms, how, can you just lay it out for the listeners what that looks like? Quite a bit of disinformation in the public domain at the moment, but it's, it's a subject that we don't talk to on any of our players, yep. um, just because it's it's uh, it's something that's um, you know um, in confidence in an employee and you know employee employer sort of uh, relationship. So it's hard to talk to. Dave's back. He's keen. He's he's excited to be working with with Des um, and the big fellas. You know, obviously, Damien second row of the year, finished the back end of the year really well, had a blow, you know, it was fantastic in the front end of the year, right through to origin. Uh, he's excited about the, the change and where things are at, but hard for me to speak to contracts, if that if that makes sense. Are you confident that he'll be a Titan in 2025? Um, I think Dave, um, I think Dave loves the environment. Um, he's, um, he loves the resources that we got here. He enjoys the club. He think he, he believes in, in our uh, purpose and where we're going, the opportunity. And he's got a great relationship with the play group and the coaching staff that were here. The coaching staff that are here uh, are up and away and working with him. Um, if Dave's uh, if Dave's if Dave applies himself the way he did this year, I'm, uh, and, and I'm confident he is, he's, he's up and he's excited. Um, he'll have a breakout year for us. Yeah, I'm confident he's here with us. Mm. Uh, just I'm, I'm going to try and get a straight answer out of you about David Fafita before we go. Uh, do you expect this to be sorted out soon? And I know there's only so much he can talk about, but do you expect his future from 2025 onwards, do you expect that to be sorted soon? Uh, yeah. I'll take that. Thank you, Steve. That's great. Don't don't go into it in too much detail. Yeah, Steve Mitchell there uh, from the goal, CEO of the Gold Coast Titans. It's it's pretty big. Uh, Dave Fafita had a really bounce back year in 2023 after a disappointing 2022 when he when he left uh, the Broncos to the Titans. Uh, he was he was standout. He was arguably uh, the Gold Coast's best player. It was a 
It was an okay season for uh, the Titans uh, this year. And now with Des Hasler coming in, you expect them to bounce back. They're, they're, they're a smoky for me uh, in the finals, um, to, be, to be honest. And uh, I, I know that uh, CEOs um, and, you know, coaches and sometimes even players and player managers like to put their own spin on things and don't want to go too much into depth and give the real answer. But I'm... I'm inclined to believe Steve Mitchell is worth there. I think law gets sorted. I think there's a bit of hysteria around this contract clause. I think pretty much every player these days has some sort of clause, uh, whether it's a get-out clause or whether you hit a certain number of games that trigger something or or whatever it is. I think it's just it's part of the business, part of the bargaining power to maybe get a little bit more money or, or maybe uh, clubs to pay uh, their stars less money. I I think it's really much ado about nothing. I think Law gets sorted. I think Des Hazel will get the most out of him, and this is really at the moment is just a bit of a uh, watch this space. Uh, so so that's my sort of NRL preview. Um, get, please give me your thoughts. Give us a call one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or text through oh four five seven seven three six. We do this show thanks to Red Smoke Alarms. Think Red Smoke Alarms. Think Red Smoke Alarms dot com dot au. Think 10-year warranty. Think Australian-owned. We're going to take a break here on Tradies News in a nutshell. We'll get back to your texts after the break. And after the break as well, to all my Pakistani fans listening, I'll be naming the Cricket World Cup team of the tournament, at least my team of the tournament. There might be one or two Pakistan players in there. You stick around. Yes, welcome back to Tradies News in a nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir, for this Tuesday morning. And we're going to chat cricket and all things Cricket World Cup. But before I get into that, I've got a text here. Hello, Charlie. I'm listening via the app in my cab all the way over in Pakistan. Your breakfast show is a late night show over here. Very big show. Regards from Raj. Well, thank you very much for your text, Raj. And hopefully you're a cricket fan because I'm going to be chatting all things cricket at the moment because the finals are almost upon us. Instead of doing a, a, a normal preview of the semifinals, I thought I'd go through my team of the tournament. So I'm going to go through the openers all the way to uh, the bowlers. I haven't put a 12th man. It's just 1 to 11. And I've got some stats to sort of back up my points, see if you agree with me. So let's kick things off. Uh, I'm first going to go with my opener. So Quinton de Kock, he's also going to be my wicketkeeper from South Africa. Get a load of these numbers. 591 runs at 65.66. Four tons in there. A high score of 174. And my other opener, David Warner uh, from Australia. who's had a pretty fantastic tournament, uh, all things considered. 499 runs at 55.44. Two hundreds, two fifties, a high score of 163. Uh, and then... Uh, at my first drop, I've got Ruchin Ravindra from New Zealand. Who would have saw this coming? This guy. How great has he been? I feel like only really cricket diehards knew who he was, but uh, he's been absolutely sensational. Uh, so he scored 565 runs at an average of 70.62. 300s, 250s, a high score of 123 not out. Uh, he's been sensational for New Zealand. He's also chipped in uh, with the ball as well. Uh, with a couple of um, offies in there. He's got five wickets for the tournament, a best bowling of two for 21. Uh, pretty impressive stuff from the youngster. Uh, at number four, and as my captain, I've got Virat Kohli uh, from India. He's been absolutely sensational this tournament. 594 runs, an average of 99. So every time he's going to base, and he's pretty much tonning up every time. He's got 200s, 450s, a high score of 103, not out. 
But what's been really impressive, he's the master of the chase, is Virat Kohli. Uh, he is just, every time there's a run chase, he's just locked in. He knows exactly what he's doing. Even if wickets are falling around him, which has been pretty rare for any of this tournament, but he's just so calm, collected, composed. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, in, into my middle order now, I've got Mitch Marsh uh, from Australia. 426 runs at 60.85. Two hundreds, 150, a high score of 177 not out that he scored against Bangladesh uh, just over the weekend. A sensational innings, uh, really chanceless, to be honest with you. I just looked at complete control the whole time. Uh, number six, uh, hit one of probably the most underrated cricketer uh, in world cricket at the moment and possibly in this World Cup, but it's Daryl Mitchell from New Zealand. Uh, 418 runs at an average of 59.71. He's got one ton in there, 250s, a high score of 130. And that was against India, where he almost dragged New Zealand over the line. And then uh, coming in at seven, Glenn Maxwell uh, from Australia. Uh, 397 runs at 79.4. 200s in there. A high score of 201 not out. That, that beautiful innings against Afghanistan uh, that just completely shocked the globe of the amazing hitting and the fact that his body was just completely failing here at the time. Uh, don't for, don't Also, don't forget uh, that um, he scored the fastest century ever in one-day cricket of something like 40-odd balls or whatever against the Netherlands early in this tournament as well. So some big power hitting from Glenn Maxwell, the big show. He's also chipped in with the ball, five wickets, a best uh, bowling of two for 33. Now we're getting into the bowlers. So at number eight, we've got Ravindra Jadeja uh, from India. 16 wickets at 18.25, a best bowling of five for 33. He's just so dangerous, Ravi Jadeja. Uh, he's been Australia's nemesis for, for so many years now, and he's just dominating on these spinner-friendly wickets. Uh, number nine, uh, sort of an unheralded guy, but if anyone watched Major League Cricket, the, the US T20 tournament, they would have been familiar with this guy. Gerald Kurtzer from South Africa has had a wonderful, wonderful tournament. Uh, 18 wickets at 19.38, a best bowling of four for 44. Um yeah, he's been fantastic, and he's going to be a big factor in maybe South Africa uh, going on to uh, the semi-finals of the tournament. Uh, right, right, the final of the tournament. They're already in the semi-finals. Uh, Ten, Adam Zampa uh, from Australia, the leading wicket taker. He's got 22 wickets at 18.9, uh, best bowling of four for eight. What's been most impressive about Adam Zampa is that he didn't start that great. Uh, in the first two games that we lost, he, he was looking really flat. He, he didn't he didn't have good form leading into the tournament. Uh, he went for the most amount of runs ever conceded uh, by a bowler um, uh, against South Africa in those warm-up uh, ODIs. But he's bounced back in fine form and the leading wicket-taker and been a, a really, really big reason why Australia has uh, bounced back, won seven in a row, and now it's one win away from a final. And finally, Mohamed Shami from India, this ageless, he's just... I don't know. He ages like a fine wine. This guy, 16 wickets at 9.25, if you don't mind. Uh, the best bowling of five for 18. So that's my team. I'm going to go, I'm going to run through it again from top to bottom. So I've got Quinton de Kock and David Warner as my openers. Uh, de Kock will be my wicketkeeper. I've got Ratchin Ravindra uh, and Virat Kohli as first and second drop. Virat Kohli is my captain of the side. My middle order, Mitch Marsh, Daryl Mitchell and Glenn Maxwell. And then my bowlers, uh, Ravindra Tadeja, Gerald Kurtzer, Adam Zampa, and Mohamed Shami.
What do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, give me a call at one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or text through oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh, that was the Makita Power Play, Makita XGT Experience, professional cordless power without limits, a professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation, and power without limits. And that's for the best power player. And I think all of these teams, they'll all be featuring in the semifinals one way or another. And my bet is that Virat Kohli is going to have a dominant semifinal against India. I think he's going to turn up in a run chase again. I mean, his numbers alone, 594 runs at 99. Uh, just unbelievable. He, he's one of a kind, Virat Kohli. We're going to take a break here. And on the other side, we're going to chat with Chris Perkins all the way from America. Uh, we're going to be chatting all things NFL and the story out of Michigan in college football. Uh, you stick around. Yes, welcome back to Tradies News in a Nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir, and I'm very pleased to say that we're going to be chatting all things uh, NFL, college football with our good friend, Chris Perkins over in America. It's time for this. Now on Tradies News, it's time to get the latest from the USA. Yes, time to get the latest. I'm going to bring in my friend Chris Perkins in. Chris, very good morning to you. How are you going? I am going good. What a wild and crazy weekend we had. And it started on Friday. With, with all the craziness between, you know, the things with Michigan and, and their coach. We've got a, a now former coach who's living the dream, getting paid $76 million not to coach in college football. It, it, it's just nuts. And then the games yesterday. Oh, my God. It was a roller coaster ride pretty much all day long yesterday. Yeah, pretty wild. Uh, we'll start with uh, what's going on in Michigan. Uh, you wanted to bring this up yesterday when we started chatting, and uh, I think I'm inclined to talk it. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, people may know Jim Harbaugh, the, the former 49ers coach, who who was excellent, but sort of uh, yeah. you know he's a very passionate man. He he's very my way of the highway sort of guy. Got you know uh, really got stuck it in with uh, Niners management a uh, management. What's happened with him in Michigan? Because it, it, it's been quite extraordinary. It's been it's been nuts. Now, two three years ago, he was on the hot seat at Michigan, as in he needed to be wearing asbestos pants to protect from the heat, because that's how hot his seat was at Michigan. The last two years, though, they have turned it around. They won the Big Ten championship. Most importantly, they've beaten Ohio State the last two years. That's their biggest rival. And they've made the college football playoff the last two years. And they're rolling again this year. They're looking like a a contender for the playoff again for the national championship. Uh, Apparently, over the last couple of years, um, a staffer for the University of Michigan has been going to other schools, other opposing schools, and scouting them in person, which is against the rules, and trying to discern the coach's signals from the sidelines of the players got found out it's been a whole hullabaloo the last month or so friday it came to a head when the big 10 conference suspended jim harbaugh for the final three games of the regular season and not only suspended him first of all they they issued the announcement that they were suspending him on friday afternoon while the team was in the air flying from detroit to state college pennsylvania for their game saturday against penn state 
So they find they 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 get on the ground. They find out. I'm sure that somebody found out while the, they were on the plane still, because you know, of course, technology. But uh, wound up being suspended. He was not able to coach uh, Saturday against Penn State, which Michigan won 24 to 15. The university has filed for an injunction. Thought it was going to get hurt late Friday or early Saturday, possibly in time for him to coach on Saturday. Didn't happen. A hearing has been scheduled for Friday. If it's granted, he'll be on the sideline Saturday uh, coaching Michigan against Maryland and presumably the following week against Ohio State in Ann Arbor with a berth in the Big Ten title game on the line and still a shot at the college football playoff. Uh, if not, well, then he's going to miss the next two games and, and won't be able to coach either one of them. So uh, this this is still one of those stories that we don't have resolution on, but it has been crazy to watch. Yeah, definitely one to follow up on. Uh, college football really is just the gift that keeps on giving. I, I think uh, if to everyone listening who watches the NFL, watches American football, and isn't watching college football, I highly recommend it because there, there's arguably more drama and, and, and more fans uh, aligned with a lot of the college teams. But let's get into the NFL. Uh, there's only one place I want to start, and that's mm-hmm. with CJ Strout and the Houston Texans. He has saved my fantasy team the last two weeks, and he did it again against Joe Burrow <laughs> and the Cincinnati Bengals. How did he do it? How did he pull this off? I, I don't know. CJ Strout, this guy's a rookie. It's amazing to think about. Uh, you got you got to think Carolina Panthers ownership and management. They're looking at that going, we took Bryce. They're looking at CJ Stroud going, we took Bryce. We could have taken CJ. We had the number one pick. We had our choice. We may have chosen wrong because CJ Stroud. Not only I think if you lock down the offensive rookie of the year this year, he's going to get votes for MVP. That is how much he has turned this Houston Texans team around in, in his rookie season. Let me run down some stats for you. 62% completion percentage. He is second in the NFL in passing yards, 2,626 passing yards, 15 touchdowns. And here's the key stat for you. Two interceptions this year. Rookies throw a lot of interceptions. When they start their first year, when they, they – become a starter, they throw a lot of interceptions. And I came into the season, came into the draft joking that C.J. Stroud, he went to Houston, he's getting a massive downgrade in the wide receiver room from what he had at Ohio State. Because his receivers at Ohio State were much better than what was on the Houston Texans roster. thing is, he's making them look better. He's turning them into good wide receivers. He's thrown for 856 passing yards the last two games. You have him on your fantasy team. That's why he's saving you with all those passing yards and all those touchdowns he got. And the last two weeks, he has led game-winning drives. Last week, it was for a touchdown. Yesterday, it was for a field goal in Cincinnati, a tough road game for Houston. And now, all of a sudden, with uh, San Francisco blasting Jacksonville yesterday, Houston's only a game back in the AFC South. This is a playoff team this year. Yeah, it, it is wonderful to say. Um, and with the with the Bengals losing uh, and with the Browns somehow mm-hmm. pulling a, a comeback win out of nowhere, it's it's just shaken up this NFC North. And I feel like we say this every year, but this is 
one of the best divisions in football. I mean, uh, you compare that with something like, let's say, the NFC South from from last year and, and even this year to some extent as well. But the NFC North, all teams above 500, mm-hmm. all really fighting for, for playoff spots. Who wins uh, th- this division? Flip a coin. Pull a name out of a hat because it, it can change from week to week. Baltimore gacked it yesterday. They were up 14-0 in the blink of an eye. They were up 7-0, 40 seconds into the game on a pick six. They were up 15 in the fourth. They led 31 They were up 15 in the third, led 31-17 in the fourth quarter. They had this game in the bag midway through the fourth quarter, gave up a touchdown, and then Lamar Jackson got bit by some serious bad luck. Tries to throw a pass, defender jumps, Tips the ball, deflects the ball, pops into the air, intercepted, pick six. Or should have been a tie ball game, but the kicker missed the extra point because the Cleveland Browns do Cleveland Browns Browns things, and they never do it easy. So it was 31-30. Browns wind up getting the ball back. Deshaun Watson starting to look like that guy who got a $230 million guaranteed contract. Took him down the field, got him in the field goal range, walk off 40-yarder, and, and Cleveland winds up winning in Baltimore. Uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, this whole division's just weird. Pittsburgh, they, you know, uh, Mike Green, Mike Greenberg of the ESPN, he has he has declared the word the name Tomlin is actually a verb. The Pittsburgh Steelers are Tomlining their way to a division title or a playoff berth. They're six and three. They beat Green Bay yesterday, 23-17. They've been outgained in every game this year. All nine games, they've been outgained. Somehow they're 6-3. and three. The AFC North is nuts. I, I just want to keep watching it. I have no idea who's going to win it, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, how the how the Steelers are, uh, let alone above five hundred, but six and three as well, is is a real mystery to me. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, about the Forty Niners. Uh, they started five and zero, then go zero and three, have a bye, and then bounce back in a big way uh, against Jacksonville. Uh, they they tried their hardest to get Christian McCaffrey the eighteen. Uh, straight touchdown uh, games <laughs> failed towards the end. They really tried on, on that play. They had four attempts at it, didn't make it through, but a big win back on the winners list. What, what, what does this win say more about? Does it say more about the 49ers or, or the Jaguars? So I think it's been very good to start the season. It says it helps to have all your stars in the lineup for, for San Francisco because they've been missing bodies. In important bodies. I mean, Debo was missing. Uh, their left tackle, Trent Williams, was missing. Uh, he, he just got back from injury. And, and, you know, for a quarterback especially, your left tackle is, is your most important guy. When you're a right-handed throwing quarterback, your left tackle is your protector. He is your bodyguard on the blind side. Trent Williams is an all-pro. Okay. Not having him in the lineup makes Brock Purdy very nervous and makes him vulnerable to a pass rush. Trent Williams was in the lineup yesterday, and it looked a lot different for, for the 49ers. So the, the key for them, like it is every other team, your starters stay healthy, your stars stay healthy, you're, you're bound to have a lot more success. 
and we saw it yesterday. Jacksonville's a good team. Frisco went in a 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff, 10 a.m. West Coast time. Complete disadvantage. Had to make the cross-country road trip and just absolutely thumped the Jaguars. Thumped a really good Jaguars team. So it's an impressive win. It was a get-right game. It was a bounce-back game for San Francisco um, to, to win that one. And now they just keep looking ahead because they've got a dogfight with Seattle for the NFC West. Seattle won on the last second field goal. Uh, they're, they're both 6-3. and three. And they still got meetings left this season. 49ers and and uh, Seahawks, they play Thanksgiving night, which will be a fantastic way to wrap up Thanksgiving. Yeah, really looking forward to, to that match and really all the Thanksgiving uh, games as well. I, I want to chat about the Detroit Lions. Uh, historically, not mm-hmm. a great franchise. Um, cursed in a lot of ways, but... Dan Campbell is doing yep. things in uh, the Motor City that improved to 7-2 and two yesterday against the Chargers. Are they a realistic chance for the Super Bowl? Yes, but they're still, they, the road it right now goes through Philadelphia. I have a hard time seeing anybody beating Philadelphia in a playoff game. I think the Lions are as close as you're going to get to that team that can match up with Philly but I just think Philly's a little bit more complete um, um, offensively, defensively. Detroit's got a great defense. They've got a very good offense. I do want to see a Detroit-Philadelphia NFC championship game. I think it will be a classic, and I think it'll be close. I just, I, I'm almost thinking Detroit's like a year early. Because they have they have risen so fast since the beginning of last season, you know the second half of last year, and then all of this year, they've just been on a meteoric rise. Now, can they ride that all the way to the Super Bowl? Absolutely, especially if Philly gets bit by the injury bug. But if they're if Philly's one hundred percent healthy, they've got the advantage. But man, Detroit is just a half a step behind. So, uh, I, I would cautiously put my money on Philadelphia, but I'd be worried if it was if they were playing Detroit because Detroit is that good. Yeah, and, it, and it's really good to see Jared Goff as well sort of bounce back after a few, uh, I guess, lean uh, seasons after he left uh, LA, but it, it, he's back in, back in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were five game-winning field goals as time expired in the fourth quarter uh, yesterday, the most in a single day in NFL history. Very, very quickly... Do we get another one today between the Bills and the Broncos? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not sure who to pick in this game because there are two teams going in opposite directions, and it's not the teams that you think are going in the direction you think they're going. Those have lost three of five. Denver's won two in a row and coming off a of bye. So this uh, if, if I'm Buffalo, I'm worried. They, this this is a game they better win this one, or they're going to be. I don't see them getting a pathway back to the playoffs because right now they're sitting on the outside of the playoffs, looking in. Uh, they can't pull this one off. They can't beat Denver. Yeah, it's going to be a tough last six seven weeks of the season for for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, one other game I'd like to mention from yesterday. Uh, the Indy 
uh, New England game in Frankfurt. Indy won the game 10-6, and I heard reports that the U.S. ambassador to Germany actually met with the German chancellor to apologize. Yeah, the as fact a, that we sent that game over to Germany. Yeah, as, we, uh, uh, as uh, there was definitely an apology needed. Yes, as a Pats fan, uh, I didn't want to touch on that game at all. Uh, but thank you for bringing it up, <laughs> uh, Chris. Uh, Chris, thank you very much uh, for your time uh, okay. this morning. Um, and uh, look, Josh Allen's my quarterback in fantasy, so I'm hoping he goes off uh, as well. Um, so uh, thank you very much for your time, mate. He needs to. He needs to for the Bills and for your fantasy team. But, yeah, it's a big one for Buffalo tonight. Yep. Thank you very much, Chris. That was Chris Perkins there uh, from America. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then wrap up the show. If I can talk to you, James, I hope you're taking notes. I'm telling you in advance, you're welcome for the wisdom I'm about to spew. Because, listen, I get on my knees every night and pray for someone to believe in me like Daryl Borey believed in you. You wanted a certain coach, they brought in Mike D'Antoni. You want to play a certain style, they played it. You wanted Dwight Howard, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. You wanted Chris Paul, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. They brought in your old friend Russell Westbrook. You want to go to Vegas on off days, they looked away. You wanted the team to stay over so you could go out at night, they changed the schedule and it didn't work. And you know what, you said, I'm going to break up with my Whoopi. Not good enough. I see the bright lights in New York. I want to go there. My old pal, Kevin Durant. It's going to work. The big three. And all after one year, you wanted out. You realized, oh my gosh, I took this guy for granted. The guy that believed in me. I went back with Daryl Morey. They traded Ben Simmons for you. How did they pull that off? And you know what? You went there and you got a partner who got the MVP. He won the MVP. And what did you say afterwards? You said, they didn't hand me the reins. You're the point guard. You're holding the reins. And what did you do when you had the reins? You scored nine points in game seven against Boston. You blew a 3-2 series lead. So they co- they fired their coach. Not good enough. You broke up with the guy believing you again. You said, the bright lights of L.A., that's where I want to go. Let's see if that works. Listen, James, have you ever had those friends who had bad roommates? Over and over, they complained about their bad roommates. This guy's terrible. The bad roommate here. They never thought to be self-aware enough that they're the bad roommate. They're the problem. Hey, James, you're the problem. If this doesn't work this year in this system with this team, then you're going to go and point fingers at everybody else, and you're going to go back home, and you're going to start swiping right for another team, and there's not going to be anybody left. Because, James, you're not the beard. You're not the system. You're the problem. Yeah, that was a Dallas Mavericks announcer, Brian Damaris, talking uh, about James Harden who has now moved to the LA Clippers from the Philadelphia 76ers. And I haven't heard a better takedown of a player or or a team in a very, very long time. And to be fair, James Harden deserves it. So I I just look back at at the timeline in the last few seasons, and uh, this is what happened. So he's just been traded from the Clippers uh, to the Clippers from the 76ers. That's his fourth team in five seasons. Started out the Houston Rockets. He lost interest, wore a fat suit to get traded uh, and just basically mentally quit on the team, was traded to Brooklyn. He joined old teammate Kevin Durant to form a big three with Kyrie Irving. Uh, That failed spectacularly. The trio only played 30-odd games. Uh, They were tipped to be the next dynasty. He forced his way out because he wasn't the star. He wasn't out of the reins. So he forces a trade to the Philadelphia 76ers. He was part of that Ben Simmons trade. He joins uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, who is the reigning MVP, had some solid moments, but as the case, he didn't perform in the playoffs. Uh, he was at an off-season of drama. 
He said he wouldn't be on a team that the 76ers owner uh, Daryl Morey was on, uh, despite the fact that Daryl Morey has batted for this guy so many times. And he said this on a PR trip to China as well. Uh, there's that famous Twitter video where he says, I won't be on a team. He's a liar and all that jazz. And he repeats himself. So he mentally quits out. He doesn't play a game, doesn't rock up to uh, the preseason training. So he then gets traded to the LA Clippers. So he's now joined the Clippers, who've been historically poor. They form a new big three with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Since he's been traded, they have gone 0 and 5. And he's been awful to start. So my question is, when is enough enough? He's burned so many bridges at this point, And once he inevitably becomes bored of the Clippers, which team does he try and go to next and weasel his way into next? And for what it's worth, my money is on the Phoenix Suns. I, I reckon he, he tries to join there. But James Hunt, he's an MVP. Uh, he started his career at, at OKC, went to Houston, thrived in Houston. Yeah, like I said, won the MVP there. And since then, it's just been nothing but trouble. And and I just, it, it staggers to me that teams still give this guy a chance when the, we've seen time and time again that, that he burns those bridges. He he really has no no regard for other teammates or, or anything like that. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on, on James Harden in, in the NBA? Give me a call, one 1170 or shoot through a text, 45 736 Yeah, it's, it is quite interesting to, to, to see. And it doesn't really get any easier for the Clippers at all in the long run. Like I said, they've gone 0-5 since he started there. And then their next game is against the reigning champions, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, and that game is in Denver. So... Yeah, tough start for uh, the life with James Harden for the Clippers. Um, that was Tradies News in a nutshell, all thanks to Amer Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. Thank you very much for tuning in this morning. Thank you for your texts. Uh, just reminding you can catch this on the SEN 1170 podcast. We talked about the NRL draw. We talked about Titan CEO Steve Mitchell. He said he's adamant that David Fitter will be staying. I named my Cricket World Cup team of the tournament. We just had Chris Perkins from the uh, uh, from the NFL, or uh, to chat things NFL, and then this James Harden situation out of LA. I've been Charles Goodsir, your host on Traders News in a nutshell. Thank you very much for joining me. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye.